Hi, you tuned in into another episode of What to Crew, a podcast in which we talk about running and more with friends and experts. As per usual, we are your hosts, Vipke and Kevin. Today's guest has been anticipated for a while, David Angelus, fellow Nike shoe geek, next to Kevin, of course, but more importantly, with working experience in Nike's running shoe product development department, and therefore the reason we invited him. If you are a shoe geek or a Nike fan, this episode is definitely for you. We will nerd out about the evolution of Nike's racing footwear, its technologies and innovation. And if you are a basic running girl like me, don't worry. We promise you still enjoy and learn something in this episode. It was a pleasure to talk to David and get a look behind the scenes of this huge player in the sport. Listen to us debate about technological doping and discover the future fast. And we are live again in the studio. And this time, finally, we are joined by uh, David, David from Nike. David, welcome in the podcast. Thanks. Thanks. Happy to be here. Uh, happy to have you here. And um, as you guys can see, if you're watching, and I very highly encourage you to watch this episode on YouTube, we have a lot of cool shoes on the table. Of course, there are Nike shoes, there are uh, running shoes, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So maybe David, uh, you can tell us a little bit more about yourself first, so people can get to know you a little bit. Yeah, sure. Um, so, so yeah, I was born and raised in in Belgium, where uh, quite quickly I I got into track and field. Um, spent quite some time on on the track training for the decathlon. Um, so, which is ten events in two days, as yeah. we just figured it out. Um, and and yeah, so I I moved to the Netherlands um, to to study at university, and then uh, I was lucky enough to to get a, an internship position within Nike in in product and in running. Uh, so this is why you know probably you have me here today talking about all those all those goodies on the table. Yes. Um, so yeah, I spent one year working with uh, with running products, uh, which is quite fun because you you also uh, you're able to see product much more in advance uh, versus when they launch on the market. So you can see all the prototypes, work with them. Uh, it's re it's really really interesting. Um, and then uh, now I'm I'm still within Nike, uh, not an intern anymore. I'm working working there full time, and then I'm taking care of a digital journey on all the the, the digital platforms for Nike. Um, I used to be also in running, and now I'm moving. Uh, towards performance in general. So I'm going to tackle other sports as well, uh, like awesome. training and, and football and basketball and all of that stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. So just to uh, quickly go through, what do we have today on the table for people watching again? Uh, listeners, I really encourage you to, to watch again. And uh, what did you bring us uh, today on the table? What do we have here? So I brought you, you know, samples of what is probably some of the best running shoes you can find on the market today. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm saying this, you, you might think I'm biased, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but, uh, but I, I like to believe that I'm not, um, for example, you know, I was in Berlin for the European championships, uh, track and field it was two years ago. And, uh, the guy who won, um, he was a new balance, um, sponsored athlete and what it did was he took that that four percent the the vapor five four percent which is basically the the first time we had a radical innovation in long distance running uh footwear and um he painted the new balance logo over 
uh, the the shoe because it was not <laughs> allowed to 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 wear, of course, a Nike shoe as a New Balance sponsor athlete. Yeah. Uh, so in that sense, you know, I like to believe I'm not that biased, and this is actually some of the coolest shoes you can find. Uh, but yeah. I guess we're, we're going to go into detail yes. for all of them, right? So of course. Um, so we want to talk uh, first, maybe about. Uh, what Nike is offering and uh, the evolution of the Nike racing footwear. Yeah. So as far as I know, I started running with uh, this one, which is the Pegasus 31. Uh, uh, what was the Pegasus 31 uh, back in back in the days? And uh, since then, so much has been done. And we've seen uh, with Breaking 2, a lot of evolution in the Nike footwear. And now... Um, like the pro fast models and uh, more everyday uh, kind of shoe. And uh, so can you tell us a little bit more about the evolution of this this uh, this line of uh, racing shoes? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so I think if, if you look at the history of marathon running, because those shoes are primarily made for, for long distance running, right? So we tend to go towards marathon. And if you would type marathon running shoes into Google, uh, you probably have two very different type of footwear coming up. The first one, and it's what has been on the market for the last probably 40 to 50 years are those very, very light um, with a very thin rubber sole. And the big idea at the time was that if you can make the shoe as light as possible, uh, probably you can run the fastest, mm -hmm. right? Um, and it, 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 went, it went like this for 40 to 50 years without really any radical innovation uh, since the 70s or the 80s. And then with Breaking 2 and, and with the 4%, uh, the Vapor 5 4%, that was the first time that truly you had disruptive uh, technological innovation in long distance running footwear for a couple of things. Uh, so maybe if, if we look at the, at the Vaporfly 4%, which was, again, the first shoe that really brought something different to the table when it came to, to long distance running, um, there's three things here that are quite important and quite radical. Um, the first one is the upper. So the upper is is called fly mesh. Um, and, you know, it's just a fancy name for, for an improved upper. What it means is just that it's very light. Uh, it's quite flexible, quite yep. durable. Um, it's the, the least important of the, the, the three characteristics that are making that true, but it's still important to mention it. Yep. Um, one one of the cool things that they did with this one is they they put a carbon plate inside. Um, so you don't see it, but it's there. It's really stiff and it's basically physics, right? If, so that was the first time they did that. Yeah, exactly. Yep. It was the first time that they put um, a, a plate, at least in the long distance running shoe. All right. I think there were some prototypes made by other companies back in the days uh, for sprinting spikes, for example. But in long distance running shoe, it, it, was, it was the first time at least mass marketed. Yep. Um, and the idea is very simple. If you have a stiff plate in your shoe, which is as light as carbon can be, um, and you know you put some pressure on it, you're going to bend it, and then it's energy return. It's going to propel you forward. So that was the the, the first thing. But actually, uh, the, the the key uh, innovation in this shoe is coming from the foam. Um, the foam is called PBAX, or it was renamed Zoom X by Nike. Uh, and basically, what it is, it, it's it's a foam that is typically used in airplane insulation. Um, and it is much more lighter, much more bouncier and, and much more squishier than the traditional foam that you can find in running shoes. And the, uh, the, the consequence of that is that you have the best uh, propulsion to weight ratio 
in the world when it comes to a running footwear. Um, and to, to give you a bit of an idea, the energy return on this one is, is about 85%, which is that's insane, which is massive. That's right? a lot. Um, yeah. And, and, and those, those, you put those three together. So the mesh, the carbon plate and the Zoomix foam, and this is what you get. You get the Vaporfly 4%. Yeah. 85% um, energy return means only 50% is lost. Like 85% is giving back from the shoe. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, the foam, you say it's squishier and like uh, squishier means only like uh, a, a nice uh, landing, but also like bouncing, like same as with the carbon. Yeah, exactly. So the, the idea with that foam is that it has a certain shape. Um, and when you run, you're going to compress that shape. Yep. And um, when it goes back to its original state, it it gives you the you forward, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Much Get it. more than than a traditional form. Yeah. And for the people who don't know what Breaking Two was, Breaking Two was the event organized by Nike. I can't remember the year it was. Uh, 2017 17 right it was in uh, on the racetrack in Monza Italy where um, three athletes uh, tried to break the two hours uh, war in the marathon which is has never been done in the past yeah um, up until recently actually yeah yeah And uh, so that that was what happened, and they they had the, the that shoe actually made for a tailor made actually for those three athletes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so they did actually prepare not only the event and and the, the goal of breaking the two hours, but also all the technology and everything. They really they did all of that for that event. So that that shoe is basically what comes out of this as a technological advancement yeah, innovation. Exactly. And uh if if you ask me, I think it was one of the best marketings that ever pulled in the running world. Um I agree. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was that was actually pretty cool because I think it was also very Nike like, very focused on innovation and, mm -hmm. and pushing the status quo and pushing the boundaries a little bit further. Um but in indeed um and I think it's it's also a good bridge to to uh, one of the The, the the critics that the shoe received. Uh, and maybe I can spend just a little bit time on the name. So sure. um, Vaporfly 4%, you might ask yourself, why why is it called 4%, right? Um, and so to, to give you a little bit of context, the University of Colorado Boulder and Nike partner up together uh, to make a research on how much this shoe is actually helping you run faster. Um, and what they figured out is that with this shoe, your oxygen intake when you're running uh, was 4% less than with other traditional running shoes. And those 4% in oxygen intake would translate into between 3% and 4% uh, efficiency in running. So basically you would lower your running time by 3% to 4%. Okay. That's why it was called Vaporfly 4%. Um, now, there was some critics going on with, with, with that naming and that 4%. And, and we can quickly touch on it. But uh, first of all, it was funded by Nike, right? So you might ask yourself, is it biased or not? Of course. Um, yeah. to, to that argument, I like to say, well, if you understand how scientific research is made, uh, probably you don't have an argument anymore because it was very thorough uh, research and, mm -hmm. and very well, well thought research. Um, however, they only used runners that could run 10 kilometers in less than 31 minutes. So you, you, you're dealing with professionals here. You're dealing with elite athletes. Yeah. Um, so the first question that you must ask yourself of, well, you know, does that efficiency, three to 4% efficiency, does it also translate into people who are maybe just 
a little bit more normal and not, <laughs> not pro athletes and, and not elite athletes. Um, so that was the first one. And the second one is that um, when they made the research, it was basically six times five minutes trials on a treadmill. Um, and based on that, they calculate those three to four percent. But it's not very clear how that efficiency uh, translates into long distance yep. uh, marathon. Um, and and on top of that, it was a control environment, right? So people were running on a treadmill. You're not sure how that efficiency also translates yep. in maybe more humid conditions or, or things like that. Um, and I think the key one here is the translating five minutes treadmill to to a marathon, mm -hmm. uh, because if indeed those shoes would, would make you run three to four percent faster. Then if you look at the marathon running time at the time, that would actually mean that, you know, a sub two hour marathon is fairly easily reachable, mm -hmm. which we all know is, is not the case. Yeah. And that brings us also to breaking two. And um, I think one of the key points here is with breaking two is to understand that although this shoe is what we can kind of consider magical. I don't know if you ever had the chance to, to run with one of them on your feet. Not the Vaporfly, no, no. It's the Zoomfly I have, okay. yeah. That's yeah. The, uh, the one I, yeah, actually I have it here, I can show it. That was in my budget back then, <laughs> uh, because they're also expensive shoes. Yeah. Um, but for my use, I, I I was very happy with this one. So the Zoomfly was also um, a product di uh, from the breaking two, yeah. If I remember right, there yeah, was yeah. the the Vaporfly that was the premium pro uh, shoe, and they also then um, did the um, Zoomfly, and they also adapted then the Pegasus also with a new design. So yeah, that exactly. was what I tried, but I never tried the Vaporfly. No, it's a uh, it's it's a very special feeling. Uh, maybe we can have you put put one of them on your feet just to feel what it's like. I will. I um, did that in the shop actually yeah. already. Oh, yeah. there, there you go. So yeah, yeah. I never tried it on a treadmill or outside. But so it. it it really feels a little bit magical. It's, it gives you that extra kick. You're, it just feels like you're running on clouds and it's propelling you forward. It's incredible. But I do have to say, and, and you can see that with the breaking two attempt, um, it's just one of those numerous characteristic of running a race, right? And there's so many other things that are so important in yeah. order to be able to get to that three or 4% um, increase in, in, in running efficiency. Uh, you know, I'm thinking DNA, like what's your lactic threshold? What's your VO2 max? Uh, what, are your, what is your nutrition plan? How are you hydrating yourself? Um, you know, training plans, um, the, the, the race setting, do you have wind? Do you not have wind? Uh, you know, all of that was really well done at breaking two because of the Monza. So you, you had the least amount of turns possible. Yep. Uh, they controlled the weather. So they made sure that the temperature was optimal, all of, all of these things. And yet only Eliud Kipchoki was able to, to get close to that two hour mark. I think he ran two, 225, 224, yep. something like this. Just, uh, just uh, yep. past the two hours, yeah. so it, which was still very impressive. Yeah, yeah, it was. Still uh, is actually, but yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. But it, it shows that there's much more to that than, Indeed. than, than the than shoe just is just shoe. one setting. Yeah. It's a big one, but it's just one setting among, yeah. among yeah, the other ones. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And I, I tend to say that, you know, if you really want to improve your running by, by four or 5%, uh, you can try to wear the shoe, <laughs> but there's probably many, many other things you can before do before that, yeah. in order to get to that point. Yeah. I think the shoe is also a big, uh, motivation, you know, yeah, having new sure. gear, having uh, new technologies, 
Um, it's like, uh, especially for me back then, I was not extremely motivated when I really started running. And for me, buying a new pair of shoes, buying a new jacket, uh, a new t-shirt would be a motivation for me to just go out and, yeah. uh, and enjoy it. And for shoes, I think it's the most exciting because uh, having a fresh pair of shoes on your feet it's the best feeling, well, especially you can, if yeah, you, you can feel it directly. You That's feel great. it directly, especially when you have, and like I mentioned, uh, the Zoomfly when I bought it, uh, I felt it right away, the difference. Mm -hmm. It was really pushing me forward. And I was like, wow, is it just me? Because I saw all the marketing and the explanation. So I'm, is it in my head or do I really feel it? But no, I, it was real. I really felt it. And it, yeah. I think it's really a great motivation to, uh, to push it forward and maybe I gain 4% more in, uh, in speed, <laughs> but uh, definitely more motivation for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I agree hundred percent. I think getting a new pair of shoes is uh, one of the things that's just, it makes you just, you know, want to put your yeah. running gear on and go outside and go for a run. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I actually had a running coach uh, a few years ago that said, um, even if it's just uh, a headband or something, get some new gear every two to three months. <laughs> so just to uh, to motivate yourself mm -hmm. to uh, go outside and try it and be like uh, this little kid again. Yeah, no, that's a good one for sure. So I want to come back on this because <clears throat> we used to have running shoes that were very, um, very, very um, thin sole. Yeah. And now we see if we want to take the latest one, one of the, the latest one, we see a very thick sole. Yeah. Why is that? Yeah. Is this really better? Is there a real difference with those uh, because, bulky shoes? Because yeah. we see a trend with whether it's Nike, but also all the brands mm -hmm. are also doing this right now. Um, and especially with running, you try to be as light as possible. And now when we get thicker soles like a not professional like me. Would it, looks, be like, it looks heavy, but yeah. if you guys could have this shoe in your hands, you would be amazed how light it is. Exactly. It's incredible. I feel like I have nothing in my hand. So I'm, I have the Alpha Fly in my hand, by the way. So for people listening. Um, so yeah, there's this trend of having bulky shoes. There's a lot of conversation as well as, uh, we're probably going to touch this a little bit later, but uh, technological uh, doping, yeah. uh, until what point is it still something that we can accept? Mm -hmm. There is now regulations as well, but, um, so yeah, th this, this trend of, uh, we have it here on the screen, but from lightweight to bulky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so th the idea really is, is, is what we mentioned already with the, with the evolution of, of marathon running shoes. The idea was, you know, I'm going to make my shoe as light as possible, which mean I'm going to make the, the, the sole as thin as possible so I can run the fastest. And mm -hmm. then you, you've got to ask yourself, well, what if I make a bulky shoe? But the advantage that I get out of making that bulky shoe outweighed the the, the disadvantage of, of maybe the little bit of extra weight. Um, and that's exactly why they did by using this, this P-Bax foam uh, or using this, this plate. Um, because this foam is so light, you have a shoe, as you mentioned, that is quite bulky. It's quite massive when you look at it and you, you have it in your yes. hand. It feels like it's, you know, it feels like it's, it's, it's almost like a brick. Yeah. But the foam is so light that it is. Um, you... 
even if it does look bulky, you still end up with a shoe that is pretty close in terms of weight to what used to be done. But now you have the added benefit of uh, the foam that is compressing on itself and then uh, that is propelling you forward when you're actually running. Uh, so that that was a little bit the idea. And, and you know what I like about this is uh, sometimes we, we, we take things for granted and you, you do something for, for uh, 20, 30, 40 years or you're born and, and everybody tells you, well, this is what a running shoe looks like until one guy actually comes up and says, hey, what if we do it differently? Can we actually bring it one step further? And this is what happened with, with the 4% and then yeah. uh, the evolution uh, of the shoe. And this is also what you can see from, from the Vaporfly 4% to the Vaporfly Next% percent, uh, to the Alphafly Next%. percent. You see evolution like bit by bit to try to make that shoe um, more efficient. And that also translates into a little bit more bulky because the bulkier the sole, uh, the more uh, energy return you're going to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if we look, for example, so we, we covered the, yep. the Vaporfly 4% already, but uh, this one is then the Vaporfly Next Percent. Uh, it's called Next Percent because it's supposed to be the next one after the 4%. So little story, when when uh, when this was developed as a prototype, uh, the idea in in, in, in in Nike's mind was to call that the 5%. Yeah, I was um, wondering why not just doing 5? Exactly. <laughs> uh, so for, for different reasons, the first one is that um, depending on who is wearing the shoe, the running efficiency can range from, let's say, three percent uh, to about six six percent. But this is the same true for the four percent. Yes, um, it's it's just that uh, I think the the variance within the results mm. were a little bit bigger for this one. Okay. So this, this decided to just go and and call it next percent. Mm. And I think uh, another reason was you know if you call the the uh, the next one the five percent then. Probably you need to call the next one the six and the seven and the and eight. And at one point you're at 100. What do you do then? <laughs> exactly. And then it raises also the question, well, is that something we want to have on yeah. on, uh, on running uh, races? Um, so, yeah. And and if you look at this one, I think the, 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 there's a few difference between the 4% and, and the next percent. Uh, the first one is the upper. Um, so what used to be fly mesh is now uh, called vaporwave. Um, and it looks it's, plasticky. Yeah, it, it does look plasticky, uh, but it's extremely, extremely lightweight. It's also weather resistant. Mm, uh, yeah. So it's, you know, we were talking about humid conditions. If you run in the rain with this one, it got to be much more efficient than if you run with the 4%. Um, and uh, the added difference is uh, also that you, you obviously still have the carbon plate inside that is propelling you forward, but they also increase the amount of foam uh, in, in the shoe. So we have about 15% more foam uh, in the next percent than in the 4%, which is giving you that extra energy return, uh, which is why it's, it's a little bit more efficient that we, we have found before. And then uh, they also increase a little bit the grip on the sole. So uh, yeah, that, that, makes you, uh, that makes you run a little bit faster. Yeah. Then again, for the weather purposes, I assume um, to have... Uh with nearly all weather conditions, uh, a good, better grip. Exactly. Yeah. And then you can see the the shoe is uh, is looking more aerodynamic than mm -hmm. the than the previous one. So they also had some work on on design. Um, but and, is this um, just look or actually also performance more aerodynamic? Because I was thinking like the the, the tip in the end it yeah. goes a little bit more up, so it looks definitely very speedy. Mm -hmm. um, is this uh, design or is this uh, function? It's both, right? So yeah. uh, of course there is always a function behind the design. But uh, at Nike we like to make the shoe look really cool. So this is this is yeah. it. 
it goes together. This it's is a, a must. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> it goes together. Um, and there also one one little thing that was different from from this one from the next percent to the four percent is the lacing. So the lacing is mm -hmm. sideways, uh, and the reason that that was implemented is because of uh, blood circulation in the foot. So if you have sideways laces, uh, the, the blood circulates much, um, much more naturally in, in, mm -hmm. in the foot okay. than, than if you don't. So that's like, you know, little things like this, that makes it the, the, the 5%, uh, air quotes. Yeah. These um, are things that were now, when you tell me, I would be like, what? Like yeah. we were talking about that, uh, you two are a little bit, uh, shoe nerds, especially when it comes to <laughs> Nike. And I'm like the absolute newbie, no idea what I'm talking about. That's why maybe I'm also so quiet. And like, I'm, I'm hearing these things and it makes sense. Like if you explain it to me, I would be like, oh, that's cool. But it's like, I would not even think about it, but that's why these are also high elite running shoes and not uh, not uh, me Sunday runner 10k uh, <laughs> shoes. Exactly, yeah. Let's take a quick break and give us your money. Yeah, well, what Vipke is trying to say here very delicately is that we are on Patreon. Patreon is a platform for you to subscribe, become a member, and support the show for the price of basically a uh, coffee per month with money. Yeah, it's money. Uh, but that's not the goal. The goal is for people to actually support the show because they like it. They want us to create more. So yeah, that's how it works. So go on patreon.com slash podcast and become one of our Patreon supporters. Like Tim, Tufik and Alex. They give us already their money. Yep. Every month. Indeed. And we appreciate their support. Now back to David. And then fast forward, we are at... The Alpha Fly. Um, this is probably the, the the coolest thing that I've seen in the running world in a very, very long time. So again, you know, uh, looking back, we had the 4%, we had innovation going to the next percent, then they took the next percent and they said, what else can we do? Mm -hmm. um, well, as you can see, they also added a little bit more foam on yep. top of it. Um, but the extra, the, the, the difference here and the extra kick out of that shoe is the airbags. Um, so, you know, as before you had propulsion that was coming from basically two things, that was the carbon plate and the, the foam mm -hmm. here, you still have the foam, you still have the carbon plate, but they added those airbags on the, on the forefoot. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, 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 again, it's the same physics principle, right? So you have those airbags when you run, you compress them. And when, uh, you move forward, those goes back into their initial yep. state, uh, making you move, move, uh, forward and pro propelling you, uh, to, to, yeah, uh, propelling forward, you forward. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy, but it's so bulky. And in fact, that's the first part of the shoe here that the, the tip is open and you can see those airbags also as well. It's like very aggressive design. Yeah, and um, also a little bit of a of um, legacy from uh, the Air Max, a little bit, you know, yeah. with this uh, visible air bubble. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I like this a lot, and this this hole in the middle, uh, top middle of the of the shoe here, where you can see. Uh, you can see the carbon plate. You can see it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So, um, but this one also has, uh, it's not only the um, further development of uh, the racing shoe, but it also has a special history because, yeah. yeah. 
Exactly. So this is a very, very, very special model. And the reason is that, you know, whereas we had a uh, breaking to attempt with Eliud Kipchoge and uh, Vipplefly 4%, this was a little bit the second the second trial mm -hmm. uh, with the Ineos challenge in Vienna uh, not that long ago. Yep. And uh, with this shoe, it was the first time that a human being was capable of running a marathon sub two hours. Um, to this day, it is still considered one of the greatest sporting achievements ever yeah. uh, quite like the first time uh, somebody um, climbed Mount Everest or, mm -hmm. or things like this it's really if you look at the split and if you look at what it takes to be able to run a marathon sub two hours uh, it's it's pretty incredible and this shoe you know is one of the factors that made it happen uh, so it, it has a very spe special place in in the in the, the footwear uh, um, running footwear yeah. history let's say yeah And you were saying it already yourself, like, uh, so next uh, model, next um, uh, innovation, a little bit more foam and a little bit more foam. And I remember that um, when we actually, or when, not we, but uh, Kipchoge broke the sub uh, two hours, it was just before the Olympics yeah. where planned to happen. And then there were this entire discussion going on of are these shoes allowed, are they not allowed, and how far can we go? Because like, well... Is the innovation, does it mean we just add a little bit more foam every time that we uh, do? Yeah. Yeah. I let you talk. <laughs> no, exactly. And that that's a good point. And it's leading to um, one of the topics that I think is very interesting and divides people a lot. And it, it's mechanical doping, right? How far can you take a shoe um, and and still have it considered as as uh, as normal or as okay to wear in a race? Um, and also a little bit of story time here. I told you this one was supposed to be called a 5%. Yeah. Uh, this one, I actually had a prototype in my hand about two years ago Yeah. Uh, when it was still in, in development. And uh, at that time, they were thinking about calling it 8%. Oh, uh, yeah. So that's the amount of energy return that you might expect from from that shoe. All right. Um, and, you know, at, at, at the time also, <clears throat> sorry, There were double airbags, uh, so you you had um, you didn't have only two airbags in the forefoot, but you had four, yeah. and then you also didn't have just one plate. You had three carbon plate inside, yeah. um, and that led <clears throat> to your point to people really questioning: Is this okay? Can yeah. we can we put this onto people's feet and have them run? You know, with with research showing that this can actually lead you to run eight eight seven to eight percent faster. Um, and this is when the IAAF, which is the the athletics uh, the Worldwide Athletics, um, yeah, regulatory uh, mm -hmm. body came yeah. in and and said, okay, we we have to we have to put a framework. We have to put some regulations around it mm -hmm. just to make sure that it doesn't go too far. Um, so now, um, one of the the cool thing that was implemented is that uh, prototypes are not allowed anymore. Mm -hmm. So as as a pro athlete, you cannot run a race with a shoe that has not been on the market for everybody to purchase yeah. for at yeah. least four months. Yeah. Now, if you, oh, if you say it yeah, out loud, yeah. um, it actually makes sense because then at least everyone could buy it beforehand exactly. and train with it. Yeah. yeah. And at least you have somewhat of a of an equal level playing ground because yeah. if you want to you can get that pair of shoes yeah um, it still tend to be quite limited into the amount of units that we put out there on the market uh but you know th this shoe that that Eliot broke the the two hours marathon barrier with um everybody can can purchase it online right uh, mm -hmm. so that was one of the first thing that they implemented um the 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 second thing uh is 
actually to your point is about the thickness. Um, so now no running shoes with a thickness of more than 40 millimeters mm-hmm. are allowed for, uh, for racing. Um, and 40 and millimeters uh, sole we are yeah, only yeah, talking sole, about. Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah, yeah, for sole. one size, precise size, I think. Uh, yes, it's for the, I, I believe it's size 10. Uh, size 10, for, I think. Yeah, yeah. that's the, the standard. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then the last thing is uh, for the carbon plate itself. Mm-hmm. So um, a shoe is only allowed to have one and only one plate. Uh, So the prototype that I was telling you earlier with like three different carbon plates, Mm -hmm. that's something that is in today's world would never go through on a, on a, on a, on an actual race. Yeah. Could they still put this on the market for the public just for fun in a way, you know, like not for official competition, but for people who want to have something a little bit different. Um, because they could theoretically, if it's not in a race, used in a race. F- fair enough. There's not I a lot of point in doing this because yeah, it's yeah. A, a professional, professional shoes, uh, also expensive one that would be used That's- basically for training. But then not being used for so yeah exactly I, yeah I, no, I'm answering my question myself actually yeah <laughs> it's it's a little bit like asking you know um, collectors I don't know <laughs> y- yeah yeah but then you know I think collecting is also linked to certain events so or of certain course, things yeah and if it's just a shoe that is pretty cool but that nobody can use anyway it's it's a little bit like as a as a as a a private person uh, owning a Formula One car yeah. and not being able to take it on the highway right it's true. It's cool, but is it really yeah. worth it? Um, I would collect I mean, the the prototype, though. Yeah, yeah, That'd be yeah, fun. yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. But that's uh, it's actually the the whole mechanical doping question is very interesting because I think uh, it's 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 a debate that is worth having, um, and you know we. I don't know what your your guys' point of view is on this one, but I do think that there is a need for people to evolve with the technology, um, and I also think it it tends to be a little bit. Uh, of a hypocrite thing sometimes going on because uh, if you look at uh, as sports in the last maybe 15, 20 years, the way it evolved, uh, if you look at boxing, for example, we went from traditional boxing to MMA. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, 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 if you look at the, the Tour de France uh, with the cycling, uh, it's always longer. It's always more intense. Uh, people want to see record. People want to see things moving fast. They just, you know, they, they, they come for a show. Yeah. And then you, you need to accept that human capabilities, despite what Eliud Kipchoge usually tends no to say. No human is right? limited. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he is, he's in the mindset, he's right. But in, yep. in terms of physics, it's, you, you have very finite capabilities, There's a wall. right? Yeah. There's a wall that you can reach. No, no human is ever going to run six seconds on a hundred meters, right? That's yep. not going to happen. Um, so either you agree that sports might not be that intense and that interesting in terms of chasing records all the time, especially when it comes to marathon running, um, or then you need to allow technology to support that, uh, you know, that, that, that evolution and, and, and that, go with it. Yeah. yeah. And, and go with it. And, um, I think what the, what the IWF is doing by setting a, a framework and a set of rules within which to evolve is, is quite nice. But, um, you know, what I don't want to see is in 50 years from now, um, that we still, we still run in the same running shoes, a, a marathon. I, th- I think that would be a little bit, uh, um, of a, of a hypocrite thing going yeah. on. Um, so yeah, that's, it's, it's it, you know it's a very interesting question i think a lot of people have different different opinions about i think one. you have a point here and um yeah since there is this war this obvious war the, lim- the limitation of the human uh, body um the physics maybe we can imagine having a special uh 
category for people wearing very advanced te technological uh, shoes and props and, and gear. And that would be a category in itself. And then we would have eventually normal, um, regular running shoes with limited technological uh, advancements. But then the special category, uh, you're basically winning if you have the best uh, sponsor and partner to work with. Well, I would say, well, it depends because you will also have regulations. You will not have a uh, roller blades or, uh, I don't know, it's like still a running shoe. So you don't have propulsions or anything, uh, uh, not a motorized or, but well, I don't know. What I'm asking myself is not, why not giving everyone uh, the best shoe? Like have every person that uh, takes part in it, like is registered for the race, just give them the same shoe. Of course, I know you no, have to train with them beforehand. So otherwise. No, but there's a lot like the sponsorships, the brands and. Uh, it's probably the, the discussion is then how do you define the best shoe? Also, what the best shoe for you is maybe not the best shoe for someone else. And I think that's that's what they try to fix by uh, having no prototypes allowed and mm -hmm. having the the shoes, you know, needing to be on the market for at least four months. It's a way to kind of go into that direction, right? I think it's very difficult before a, before a world championship to say, hey, everybody is going to wear the same pair of shoe. Mm -hmm. uh, but what you can do is is say, well, at least they're available for everybody to purchase if you want to. Um, but yeah, and 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 to your point, I think. Um, we are going somewhat into that direction, not necessarily having a specific category when it comes to crazy footwear innovation. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you look at Breaking 2 and if you look at the Ineos, uh, Ineos uh, Challenge, um, you know, these are not official marathon races. Uh, and yet it was attracting a lot of viewership and, and yet it's still considered one of the, 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 the best thing ever to yep. happen in sport because you broke... Um, a true sporting barrier by running a marathon sub two hours, but it's not it's not an official world record. It's right? not no. So yeah. it, I think there is a way to combine both moving moving together. Um, and there there's also another argument that you know because people are always expecting more and they want to see more and they want to see something more intense and records like every two seconds. Um, maybe if you allow technology to to um, to enable that. Um, then you might also minimize the incentives of actual doping within the athletes. Um, I know it's 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 you know it's very easy to say and it's probably not like this, but um, there's also this this uh, this aspect to it that is that is quite um, quite interesting. Yeah, and I agree. One of the thing also that we need to to make sure that everybody understands is this shoe is not creating more energy then the runner is creating itself. Yep. So what we're trying to do with this shoe is, you know, if the runner is, 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 is creating a certain amount of energy with his running, what we try to do is get as close as possible to giving back 100% of that energy. Yep. Mm -hmm. And we're getting closer and closer, but there's not a motor in it. There's not an engine. We're not creating additional energy than that what the runner is creating itself. It's recycling the energy yeah. put inside. Yeah. 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 It brings us back to uh, what we, I think, said earlier, um, the 4%, it would not make me 4% uh, quicker because... Uh, Yeah, it's it's really for the high top-notch uh, people and you have to have certain athletism standards that make you fast anyway to to have this little 
like wheel making you even just a little bit faster than yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it also goes very, uh, very closely to running form and, and, and running technique. Um, you know, people who tend to, to be elite runners, they have a certain way of running. They practice for 10, 15, 20 years sometimes. Yeah. So, uh, they, they perfected the, the way they're running, which is usually leaning forward is quite aggressive. And you can see that in the design of the shoe, right? If you put the shoes on without doing anything, you're going to, just naturally lean forward because mm -hmm. the drop is quite aggressive. Mm -hmm. The shoe itself is quite aggressive. If you're somebody who's running, uh, you know, five thirty or six minute uh, kilometer pace, yeah, um, and and there's nothing wrong with that. Like everybody has their own pace, but that shoe then might not give you what it will give to somebody who's running a, a, a 245 or 250 uh, pace on a, on a, on a 10 K for example. Yeah. yeah, yeah for sure. Perfect yeah. form. So, well, now that, that we have these certain regulations that it's not allowed to be then more than uh, 40 millimeters uh, thickness of the foam, there's not more allowed to be more uh, than one plate. Do they also define the length of the plate or the, the thickness of the plate or does it actually also not have an effect on it? Well, maybe too much in detail, but what do you think, is then still possible because now it, again, um, being here more the less nerd on this table, I'm kind of thinking like, well, okay, seems like there's nothing new being able to come because you are basically regulated. Yeah, it, that's an excellent point. And, uh, and this is also what we see with, with the Alpha Fly with this shoe. Um, you know, you can always add a little bit of this and a little bit of that to make it, to make it slightly better. But this is, in my opinion, you know, as good, as good as it gets and as good as it will probably get within that set of regulation and within that framework that was imposed by, uh, by world athletics, uh, at least for the next couple of years until there is somewhat of a, uh, of a shift in mindset. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's, it's an excellent question to ask, well, what's next, right? Mm -hmm. Um, probably there is going to be some sort of evolution of, of that shoe. Uh, but I think the, the 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 most interesting points when it comes to what's next are going to be on maybe different areas um, than than the the true racing shoe in itself, mm -hmm. uh, and we see it happening already. So, for example, um, one of the cool things that is happening at the moment is that they take some technological part of that shoe that was created and they put it into very different models with very different purposes. Um, so you will start to see, you know, the, the, the plate into models that are not made hundred percent for marathon racing, uh, like the, the, the zoom fly. It's still very aggressive, right? But it's a shoe that can be used for, uh, tempo runs or, or, or track session or things like this. Um, and then also the foam. So this zoom X foam, uh, for the first time ever, we, we have it in a, in a different franchise, in a different family. So last week we launched uh, this model, which is the, the Zoom X Invincible. It's part of the Fearless family. And uh, this shoe is basically made for everyone. The fearless family is race family? Uh, no. <laughs> so Zoom family is what we consider the racing family. Yeah. And the fearless family uh, is is basically, it's a range of shoes that is made for everybody to go on, on long runs. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's to do your 15Ks on a Sunday, that, that kind of stuff like the sister shoe to use it with. Uh, and for the first time, we see technological aspect of, of the Alpha Fly translating into a much more mass market style mm -hmm. like this one. And I think that's the, the, the one of the first 
first thing that we're going to see in terms of evolution. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit like uh, like cars. You know, there's a lot of um, innovation that is made at fo Formula One level, and then they take some of that innovation and put it into mass marketed cars. This is exactly what you're going to see moving forward with the Nike offerings, um, and it's it's quite exciting because uh, you know then you 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 improve running for not just the people who are trying to run a marathon yep. in sub 230 or, or 215, but for much more, uh, much more people. And um, so th that's for the, the mass market styles. But then uh, on the other extreme, you will see some of that technology translating into very specific parts of, of running and of, of track and field uh, as well, just like spikes, for example. Um, so here, this is a model that was launched a little bit earlier. Um, it was like uh, mid, mid 2020. Can you um, say the name quickly for everyone that's listening? Yeah. So this one is the Air Zoom Victory. Uh, it was launched together with the Dragonfly. Mm -hmm. um, and again, it was the first time that you could see the, the Zoom X foam uh, moving away from, from the AlphaFly and, and, and the next percent and the 4% to a track and field model. Um, and here you also have a carbon plate and you have the same upper Uh, than on the Alpha Fly, so mm -hmm. you you really see that technology being used in much much more diverse areas than just trying to run an extremely fast marathon. Yeah. Um, so and the the third point of where it's moving uh, is actually moving a little bit away from footwear and moving a little bit closer to apparel. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you guys remember, but what Nike did with the last Olympics is they worked a lot on those running suits, uh, and they took the design of a golf ball that is usually flying through the air fairly easily, and they applied that to to the the the, the shirts and the the t-shirt uh, the t-shirts and the shorts that the athletes mm -hmm. were wearing. Um, And I think you're going to see a lot of that as well. So I think um, I expect more innovation in the future coming from apparel uh, than than footwear, just because we're reaching already such a, a tipping point. Yeah. Now I have a I have a point in mind because when you say this this transition from the golf ball into apparel, I can hear a lot of people thinking very out loud. But yeah, but this is all marketing. This is all. This is all designed. This is all for us to buy more. And obviously we know that Nike is amazing and, and marketing. They do amazing yeah. products. The designs are amazing. It's a big part of it. But then there's still behind a reason to do those things. It's not just for the fun and for the eyes. So they really adapt things. They do research in the background and to apply those technologies that actually does, that actually do something, do change something. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I think if you look at, at, uh, the, The, you know, the, the, the vision of Nike, it says uh, we try to bring innovation and inspiration to every athlete. And we define athlete as everybody with a, with a, with a human with body. A body yeah. um, so yes, you know, marketing is there and it's used to, to, it's important to sell as well, products. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, and let's, let's be, let's be honest. Nike is an excellent, uh, marketing brand, right? They, the, the, the way, the, one of the, the best the, for the, sure. Yeah. The way they release the ads and the way they, they leverage the, 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 the amazing athletes that we have mm -hmm. is probably in my opinion, one of, one of the best when it comes to the sporting industry. But I can promise you that every single aspect of those shoes have been tested relentlessly in labs. Um, whether it's in, in, Oregon at the world headquarters or, or in different labs around the world. Like just to give you an example, um, the airbags that you can find, whether it's in the Pegasus or whether it's in, uh, the, the latest, the, the alpha fly, there is a guy in, in the U S that is literally spending all day, every day in the lab, 
creating different type of airbags, different shape, different thickness, different sizes, and testing what is the best for each model. This is, it, it goes very, very far, right? There's yep. also a lot of research made with uh, scientists and, and, and people who have been in the sport industry for, for God knows how long. Um, so what I do like about, about Nike shoes and Nike offerings in general is that yes, there's a cool marketing implemented in order for the, for the shoe to sell, but it is backed up by actual, uh, research and by actual innovation that does make you faster yep. if you want to go faster or that does make you less injured if you want to be less injured. Yeah. yeah happy that you actually mentioned that because that was, um, <clears throat> I did not really care about shoes before uh, getting to know Kevin. I basically went into the shoe store, like the running shoe store, told him what I'm just doing and they gave me a model. And as long as I liked the color, it was my shoe. Mm -hmm. And uh, now that I'm uh, together with Kevin, I'm basically not, uh, I'm only allowed to have Nike on my feet. Um, <laughs> I never said that. <laughs> But unofficially, and, it's the case. <laughs> and uh, so I got um, this model that is for the, the uh, injury prevention. Um, and I saw it in the store and no, you don't have this one. You don't have the invisible run. You oh. have the normal, uh, react shoe, the react Two. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I saw it in the store and uh, there was of course the marketing behind it, like, uh, uh, tested that uh, people are less uh, injury prone. And I was like, that's cool. Like this is uh, like, I was telling you before that I'm recovering from a running injury right now which is probably not uh, because of the shoe, but other issues, but still like having people actually perform what they want to do mm -hmm. running and helping them uh, with a certain, it's cool. But there is this tiny voice in my head saying like, is this actually true? And is this actually like uh, with, with who did they tested it? Like uh, normal runners like me that get injured mm -hmm. uh, just by not uh, run. Yeah. Can you tell us there a little bit more about this, especially this injury? I think it's a good initiative because it makes us run. But um, how applicable is it for everyday runners? But is it is it really true, right? Is, is it that, really that's true? The, that's and the question. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to do that. So I think, first of all, we need to understand a little bit uh, the Nike offerings when it comes to running shoes. So you have four big families. The first one would be the free. Uh, those are like sometimes those weird shoes and they, they look like a sock. And uh, the, the free shoes are made so that you can run about 20 to 25 minutes a week uh, with those shoes. And because you're so close to the ground, it supposedly makes the little muscles in your feet much more stronger. So overall, like you increase strength in, in your feet when yeah. you run. It's the closest you can have to barefoot. Exactly. Yeah. It's the barefoot But still feel. a good uh, yeah. protection for the, the feet. And, uh, exactly. Yeah. But again, you know, you should never run... Uh, 10k with those you should should run like 20 to 25 yeah. uh, minutes every week and it, it strengthens your uh, your ankles and, and the small muscles in your feet so that's the free then you have the draw ride which is basically a recovery shoe it's the shoe you should wear on a sunday when you go for a very slow run because you're tired from the from the week and then we go into those two main family within Nike, which is the Zoom that we covered extensively so far. And then you have what used to be the React family and is now called Fearless. And it's exactly what you mentioned. Um, so the idea behind the Fearless family is that, um, you know, some we look at the data and we, we look at the research and there's this misconception and this myth about pronation. So I think for the last 40, 40 years, um, when you go into a specialized running shop, uh, they make you run in front of a camera yes. right? and then they look at how your, yes. your feet goes on, on the ground and then they say, well, you overpronate, so you need that type of shoe or you underpronate, so you need that type of shoe. 
great. Um, except that when you look at the data and you look at the research, um, there is actually no uh, no no statistical significance. Like the, the, it's it's not been proven that by wearing a certain type of shoe because you overpronate or underpronate is going to make you less injured. So mm -hmm. it's not backed up by any any type of science. Okay, um, so like what day? Because this is literally what yeah. I did. Mm -hmm. I went to the running store. Yeah. They let me run in front of a camera and they like had the side and I think the back view. Exactly. And then they said like, okay, whatever. These uh, three, four shoes are fit for your yeah, running yeah. style. And then I just, as said, picked the one that I like the color the most. Yeah, exactly. And- And you this know, is I'm, like not proven. I'm not saying that it's it's uh, it's not a shoe that is more tailored for you. Probably mm -hmm. there are, but the question is: is that make you less prone to injury? Then the answer is no. It's not backed up by data, um, and it's not backed up by research. So um, at Nike, we said, well, what can we do to fix that? Um, and research we made um, to kind of move away from that myth of you know overpronation and underpronation, and how does that influence your your uh, um, your, your risk of injury? risk of, of, of getting injured exactly um, and they realized that it's more about the the actual stability of the shoe and about the foam in itself so then the fearless um, family was created exactly for that and the shoe if you can see it like on on uh, if you can actually look at it it's it's very large you know it's 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 a, it's a, it's a It's a fat. This one is really very thick, fat. Yeah. Very thick uh, um, a sole. And the idea behind that is no matter how you run, because going back to that point, you know, I run very differently that, that you run and that Kevin runs probably. Um, but if you bring that all together, because it's such a mass marketed shoe, with having that stability in mind and with having the, the ZoomX foam, which is very bouncy and very squishy, um, it, it will make you less prone to injury. And that has been researched and I can quickly uh, explain you how that was researched. Um, so they took about 400 runners if I remember correctly, and they had some runners wear uh, the this shoe, so the 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 ZoomX Invincible. Um, they had runners wear the Pegasus, so they also tested against other Nike shoes, and they had uh, some other runners wearing, I think it was Asics or or, or Adidas shoes, uh, something from 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 the competition, and they looked at over, I think it was a period of three months, um, how many of those runners in each category wearing all those different mm -hmm. shoes would come back to training two or three times in a week. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that, you know, if uh, you wear a Pegasus and you train Monday, Wednesday, and on Friday you don't come back, uh, it's probably because you feel injured or you feel like something is not right. Mm -hmm. um, and by doing this, and it's staggering numbers, but by doing this, they actually proved um, that with this shoe, you're 42% less likely to get injured than if you would wear um, some other Nike shoe or a shoe from 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 Adidas or Asics or Brooks or whatever mm -hmm. uh, whatever other brands is is out there. Um, so again, you know, that's that's what I mentioned before. What I liked is that um, if there is such a statement as saying our shoes are making you less prone to injury, you can believe that is backed up by data. Uh, and by actual research, which which is the case in, in in this one, so yeah. But was it then that people just did not go back to uh, to have a third run, or were they also like in question? I, I don't know if you know that much in detail, so uh, please tell me if uh, you're not. Um, or is it because people actually said like I don't feel fit to run? Because it could also be like um, there were uh, a group of uh, that tested that shoe that was very motivated, and the other groups were like a little bit more like maybe less motivated, yeah, a little yeah. lazier, or. Is <laughs> 
So for sure, th those are variables that you cannot really control, but yeah. that's that's when um, scientific research comes into the game. So mm. everything is made so that you can control for those variables as much as possible. Right? Yeah. So first of all, it's the number of people. Yeah. It's yeah. very unlikely that uh, half of like the 150 people who yeah. wore a Pegasus versus an Invincible decided at the same time to not be motivated yeah. to go running. Right. Yeah. So yeah. The, the the sample size and uh, the, the the controlling the variables is something. That that they do uh, within the scientific research anyway. And everything is made so that the result that you get, you can be pretty certain mm -hmm. that it's actually uh, fairly accurate, right? Yeah. You always have a risk in any research that you do. Yeah. And now yeah. We, we go into statistics, but you always have yeah. a little bit of risk that it's uh, it's not the case. Yeah. But everything is made so that the result that you get, you can actually believe them. And especially when you have numbers as high as 52%, which is is uh, is massive, yeah. uh, then, then you at least know that it's going in the right direction. Direction, yeah. Yeah, like uh, the fifty-two percent that you were saying, like that's forty-two. Forty-two. Sorry, still massive. Like forty-two, right? Yeah. Um, I, fifty-two. I think fifty-two. It's 52. Yeah, okay, yeah. fifty-two. Then sorry, my bad. That's yeah, more than half. That's uh, that's, that's a crazy. lot. Yeah, that's a lot of change. Exactly. Yeah. But then also like for like we so we discovered the fast. Uh, I'm sorry that I don't use the correct <laughs> family names uh, quite intensively. And yet now you explained uh, uh, three other families that they are. But looking already just on this table, there's like six pair of shoes. Like I'm just a regular Sunday runner. Like, mm -hmm. okay, maybe twice a week, three times a week if I have a very good week. Like I'm I'm like uh, overwhelmed just yeah. going to the website, mm -hmm. not being a nerd. Like uh, especially since something like uh, you mentioned before that there are certain... Um, visual f, uh, f uh, aspects that you are uh, that Nike is taking um and implements in other models which but then are like 50 60 euros cheaper how can you like in this jungle of shoes find a shoe that uh, is is good for you uh you can invite me on your podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that's that's a start no but it's it's an excellent point and uh we we discussed this already beforehand but uh indeed Nike has this a takedown design strategy where basically you take a shoe that is very performing and very expensive and you try to make the the rest of the shoe in the family look alike um, as, a, as a way to to sell it to the consumers. And although it is a very, very uh, smart way to, to market your product, you also need to make sure that people do understand the differences and do understand the technology. And uh, Because it's, otherwise it's like literally two your shoes that look very similar exactly, but uh, have yeah. like a difference in price of, I don't know, Tell me of uh, these ones. Um, I think if, if we look at the Pegasus, for example, it's about 120. Uh, this yep. shoe is about two, 275. Yeah. 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 There that's, you the, go. that's the most expensive. But that's the top of the line yeah, as yeah, well. So exactly. that's uh, the top of the top. Yeah. Yeah. But that's also more of a, I would say, racing shoe. Yeah. For sure, I would yeah. not use it on my everyday runs just, well, for once because it's expensive. Uh, but also because that's something I would keep more for my really like my races yeah, yeah. and uh, that's also something i wanted to mention there is the uh the air zoom tempo yeah, next percent exactly. which is yeah. basically uh Looks this one but uh, more of a everyday training kind exactly. of shoe exactly um, and it's going back to to the point that you were trying to make is that at Nike, we don't try, at least when you train intensively for a goal, uh, we're not going to try to push you one pair of shoe 
and say, this is the one for you. Um, every shoe is created with a very specific goal in mind. And the idea is that you create an ecosystem of, 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 of pairs of running shoes that are fitting your goals, right? So you probably need one for your long runs. You need one for your tempo trainings and you need one for racing. Um, you can always say, well, are you just not trying to make me buy five pairs of shoes instead yeah. of one? Um, to that, I would argue that you don't, um, change a pair of shoes after six months because it's been six months, you replace it after a certain amount of mileage yeah. because that's when the, the foam uh, is not efficient anymore. So whether you have five or one uh, over the long term, it doesn't matter because uh, if you're going to use different ones for, for, for different purposes, all in all together, you, you reach the, the, the same amount of uh, money mm -hmm. for, for miles that you put in, right? Yeah. Um, and it's also, but it's also nice to change the shoe. Exactly. Have different kinds, different yeah. models for different stimulation on Chantal the feet. Chantal and Delina, they were telling us that um, for also injury prevention, it's very beneficial to rotate your shoes, yeah. not only because uh, to... to um, let them rest, but also for, because different shoes, like if they're, if you ha actually have different models, uh, train your, uh, your run, your feet differently, which helps you, um, stay overall trained and, uh, prevent in, uh, yeah, yeah. injury. Definitely. Yeah. And, and going back to, to the point that you mentioned earlier, I think the, how can you make sure that you find the right pair of shoe for you is really, really difficult. And in full honesty, it's something that we're working on, mm -hmm. uh, especially in the digital space, because if you run into a store and now with, with COVID, it's it's quite difficult to do so. But uh, if you're actually able to run into a store and, and pick a Pegasus versus uh, an X percent, you will, you will feel the difference. You know, at least you will yep. get a sense of these are completely different shoes, even though they might look a little bit similar. But on a digital space, this is really tricky. And that's something that as as a company, uh, we need to improve and mm -hmm. there's a lot of work happening uh, around that. I think for, for people who are listening are wondering, well, what shoe fits me right now and how can I find that? I would say, you know, Google is your gold mine and there, there's so many yep. different, uh, websites about like the, the very deep, um, um, analysis, analysis, and yeah. analysis yeah. about the footwear that probably you can, you can find what you're looking for. Uh, what I would say though, is just, if you're trying to go for a uh, very Kashni long runs, um, easy feel, I would look into the fearless family, whether it's the react Maller, uh, the react infinity or, or most recently the, the invincible. Um, if you go for a bit more tempo, a bit more faster pace, I would look into the zoom models, uh, all the way from, from the Pegasus, uh, to, to building up to the alpha fly if you're somebody who's racing for for a marathon or, or even in 10k for that matter it's not just marathon or a collector <laughs> or a collector <laughs> yeah. Yeah. exactly yeah a second break to not take your money this time but tell you that we are on instagram check the link in the description and follow what the crew podcast on instagram we share some pictures and announce new episodes i hope to see you there now back to david how long does it take to make a shoe like this, because I know for a fact that it's not just let's make a shoe and then the, in a few months afterwards it's make it's made. There's a lot of, well, especially for the first models, but now still for uh, the Alpha Fly, it's a long process in the making. From we start the design, we have an idea to it's delivered to the the consumers. Yeah, how long does it take? The prox. This it really it will depend depends, on the models, I guess. Yeah, it yes. depends on the models. For something as radical as the Vaporfly Four Percent or the Alpha Fly, for example, um, I think we are around 
four, four, four to five years in advance. Wow. So what? in terms of ideation, in yeah. terms of like, uh, you know, the, 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 the idea on a paper mm -hmm. and how to translate into mm -hmm. an actual shoe, uh, it can take up to, to yeah, four, four to five years. So usually um, when I was working product, what we will have is on a yearly basis, you would get a brief from global, um, from the global headquarters. And they will say, hey, listen, in, in four to five years, we want to have a shoe that is going to answer that need and that need and that need. Yeah. And then you work together with them uh, all the way to, um, you know, I would say about, one to one and a half year before the product launches is the moment when you actually signed off on the design. Um, right. The last touch-ups, you know, for example, uh, this 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 thin, like if, if yep. you look at, uh, at the Zoom family of shoes at the back, they have this almost like shark, um, hmm. shark fin uh, yeah. kind of design. This used to be much more aggressive. So we're going to say, well, we're going to reduce that a little bit. Those last touch-ups uh, are done one, about one year before, uh, before the, the shoe goes right. in the market. But yeah, it can take a very, very long time. So now you probably know what's coming up. Yeah. I, I, was, I know you, you I probably thinking. cannot say a lot of things about this, but you already know about what's coming up next within those fast shoes. You uh, you have a you have a brief idea, yeah, and that that's something that's uh, for yeah. obvious reasons I cannot talk yeah. about. Um, what I can tell you though, and that's something that is just not never going to happen because of the IAAF regulations. But uh, and we touched upon that before. But yeah, we we had this idea about the um, the Alpha Fly of having you know more than two zoom bags and and more than one plate. But mm -hmm. um, that's 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 also not going to happen just because of the of the new rules set okay. up by the by the World Athletics. Yeah. Excited to see what's coming. Yeah, next. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be in your brain and like uh, be like uh, hearing all the, the the checklists that you receive from Global, what you're working towards too. What but I can tell you though is that the the fearless family, so yeah. the, the the idea of having as many people out there as possible, no matter your level, running injury free, that is going to take uh, a lot of uh, resource and a lot of time from from Nike. That is really something that that they're focusing on. Yeah. Which is really nice. Um, uh, Kevin was uh, talking with um, our um, unscared coach this week and uh, they CrossFit. were talking uh, from CrossFit. Uh, sorry, yeah. Um, with the physio, they were saying like, especially now with Corona, sitting a long time and not moving that much, but still having free time. So then thinking like, okay, well, let's pick up running. They, they see a lot of injuries lately. So if there is some And it's basically what makes you stop because I was also like at the beginning of this year in a very nice groove. Then I felt a little twitch and thought like, let's not wait. Let's directly go to the physio. Maybe it's just a little thing and I have to wait for a week and then I'm good. And he said like, no, you're down for a month. And I was like, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Injuries are the worst. Um, yeah. Overcoming that or like not overcoming because we probably never overcome since there are so many different factors instead of only shoes exactly um, yeah. that uh, are leading to injuries. But reducing chances and uh, educating people maybe along the way with products is uh, something really nice. No, and, and, and you, you mentioned a very important point. Um, at Nike, we're not saying wear that shoe, you're not going to get injured, right? If you run stupid, you will get injured. Yeah. That's, that's the idea. Of course. But at least if you do everything that you should be doing, yeah. um, it will, it It will give you an edge. It will make sure that, you know, if, if you had a little bit chance of getting injured, maybe you you don't just because of the the, yeah. the, the way the shoe was designed. But um, it's still very important to recover. It's still very important to understand how you should run, yeah. uh, what the running form should be, what the efficiency should be, um, you know, and, and 
if that means that you have to like look at videos online or or maybe like book a session with with one uh, one trainer a couple of times so that they can teach you how you should be running. Yeah. I think it's also something that is quite important that people should be looking at a, a bit more. Yeah. 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 I uh, would like to move on to the questions that we got from uh, from the audience, unless we uh, forgot to mention something. But yeah, I guess just we are some for a part that you think it's uh, crucial for our listeners to to know, like uh, with this entire part that we now discussed. I think we covered it all. Pretty, I think we covered well, it a good amount of it. Yeah. So question from the audience. Uh, that's something you guys, listeners or viewers can uh, easily uh, do as well and participate. Drop your questions. Usually it's on Instagram, but you also have the possibility to record a voice message on speakpipe.com slash podcast. All links in the show notes. And we have the first question here from James Morhan, which is um, a guest that we had on the podcast, fellow runners and CrossFitters. A crossfitter and he asked your favorite discontinued running shoe model and i'm going to explain a little bit james um has or at least had a little bit of an obsession with the shoe that was called the nike air zoom elite and elite eight in that case that was a running shoe back in uh, i think 2015 or maybe later um and he said that was his favorite running shoe Ever. And that's why he asked this question. What is your favorite discontinued Nike running shoe? Well, I'm, I'm going to make James very happy because it's uh, it's mine as well. So, Seriously. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I have actually two shoes that are discontinued today that uh, that I used to love. The first one was uh, was the Tempo, but it was more for, for long runs. Yeah. So not, not the new Tempo, but mm. the old one. Uh, it was part of the Lunar Lawn technology yes. line. Uh, that was a very good one to go for like 10K. Um, but yeah, spending a lot of time on the track, right? Um, you need a shoe that is flexible enough, but also stable, that is... Uh, uh, that gives you like a right propulsion that you know you can do uh, jumps with if you if you're training for for the long jump or uh, you know working on stairs and things like this. And the, the Airzone Elite was just the perfect shoe. It was amazing. And uh, actually, I, I I stocked a few of them back home just to make sure that I have nice. I have them available because we're never gonna get them from Nike again. Uh, but yeah, I fully agree with James. I think this one was was uh, somewhat yeah. of a gem. Uh, loved that shoe. Loved yeah. that shoe. But well, do you think then there is a chance that Nike is bringing it back because now that like you are both relatively uh, like James and uh, you are like relatively elite in my eyes. And so I assume that you might be not the only ones that are missing that shoe, especially since the idea behind Nike is always innovating better. Mm -hmm. And then there are now runners being like, oh, I wish I had the old one. Yeah. So, But um, if you look at the technology in the shoe, it's something you find in shoes that are now available on the market. Yeah. Yeah. But so why, why if, if it is available in the market, why do you still then miss the old shoe? That's 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 a very good question. I think um you know it's 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 different things. First of all, is that in the end, the people who spend a lot of time uh running professionally or, or spending a lot of time on the track as as track and field athletes, um, they're not the majority of the Nike consumers, right? No, they're so not. <laughs> Nike as as a brand needs to make sure that the 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 majority of the of the running market is is um needs is met through through their offerings. Uh so that's the first one. And the second one is um, you know, it's maybe a little bit of nostalgia also and in, in, in the end, uh 
they have a very good idea when it comes to the offerings of what needs to be on the market. And we have the Zoom family, we're the fearless and the free and the draw right. And all of that together is creating an ecosystem that is supposed to support the athletes' needs. Um, that just do does mean that some of the models are not going to live through, but that's okay because you can find other models that are probably f uh, fitting for, for the needs that you used to have with those shoes. Um, I would say it's probably nostalgia also yeah. a little bit. I guess. Yeah, so it, you know, it's, it's constant evolution. So it needs to evolve uh, whether you like it or not sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. What would be your, f your favorite running shoe at the moment then? This is a tough one. If you one. have to pick one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I would have to pick one, I would pick one that is the most suited for uh, many, many different things, whether it's a sprint session on the track, uh, 10 times 400 or uh, a 15K. Uh, and in that sense, I would go with the Pegasus. I think yeah. the, the, the okay. Pegasus is to me still the best all around shoe. Yeah. If you need one shoe to do to do it all, it's probably going to be the Pegasus. The workhorse, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I would go for that one. Yeah. But the since you are- at Pegasus or the Pegasus Turbo? Uh, the Pegasus. The normal one. So this yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. That's the, the 37. The Peg Turbo. Uh, I used to love that shoe, but it's also a shoe that is that is very um, tailored towards um, maybe a bit longer distance running. So it's a great shoe to go run a, a, a 10K in, for example, yeah. which for me is is long mm -hmm. uh, as Andrew's running, right? Um, so so yeah, I, I would not do um, a sprint session or I would not do like a 200 meter session on the track with the Peg Turbo. Yeah. Yeah. You were explaining earlier that you are a decathlon uh, athlete, not runner, cannot say that. <laughs> um, is there like a certain discipline that you prefer towards the other ones? Um, I guess you, you always tend to to like the, the events that you're a little bit better in mm -hmm. than, than the other ones. So in that sense, uh, I love the, the high jump. High jump is great because of the feeling mm -hmm. you get of flying a little bit. You know, you're you're suspending in the air for a fraction of a second. It's, mm -hmm. it's quite a beautiful thing. Um, I also love the, the 400 meter just because... You know, it's all about the mind. No matter who you are, the last Intensity. 100 and 150 yeah. meters, you're going to die. And then you cross the line. Most of the guys cannot even stand on their legs anymore. And <laughs> it's also good because you finish the first day so you can go home and rest. Um, and um, and I think, yeah, pole vault is also very, very good for sensations. You just fly. Must fly, be. Yeah. And you were saying that you have for every single discipline a different shoe? Yeah. So now we're moving into something that's very specific. It's track and field spikes. Yeah. Uh, so this is one example. This one is used for uh, for longer distance. I mean, long distance. It's, it's it, This one is made for uh, 800 meters all the way up to 3K. Mm -hmm. So the victory um, yeah, you're talking the victory, about yeah, yeah. for people listening. Uh, yeah. yeah the, the, the Zoom victory. So I used those for the, for the 1500 meters. Uh, but indeed, you have a very specific spike for the for sprinting, for the long jump, for the high jump, for the pole vault, for every single event as its own shoe, mm. yeah, um, made and designed for that specific event in mind. Yeah, good that you work at Nike. That that <laughs> makes me want to ask: Are you doing uh, decathlon only as an excuse to buy more shoes? Because <laughs> um, let's face it, that's a good excuse. <laughs> it, it is a good excuse, but uh, it's way too tough for it to be the only excuse. Yeah. And no, actually, no, I, I, get, I, I get a kick out of it yeah. also for for other stuff. But uh, but you know, I've, at least. I have a reason to to pack 15 pairs in my bags when I travel. So oh, that's Jesus. always a cool thing. <laughs> <Nice. to hear. laughs> 
Um, next question is coming from uh, Tim Kekstra and he asked, what does Nike's research into the impact of shoes on injuries look like? Yeah. We actually did discuss this yeah, a bit earlier. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I think the, the, to sum it up to somewhat we discussed before, it's just uh, looking at, you know, what used to be pronation based research and moving towards more uh, stability like and, and design when it comes to the foam used um And um, and yeah, we we went through the, the the way that they researched that. So I think uh, does Nike actually work with? Um, it definitely has 100 its own research labs. But does it also work with um, universities and stuff, which yeah. uh, where then people have more the feeling, okay, they are literally not biased because they're not getting. Well, they are still probably getting uh, some money from Nike before doing the research. But I'm was thinking like they're not directly on the payroll. No, exactly. So uh, indeed, Nike has its own labs where they test uh, their own thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but when it comes to really radical statement, like saying, you know, our shoes is making you run 4% faster or mm -hmm. our shoes is making you less prone to injuries. Those are research that are made in partnership with uh, research labs, scientists or, or, uh, or universities. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah completely. Next question from uh, Amanda Fitguide. Uh, do these fast shoes help when you are not a really fast runner? Yeah. So basically when you're not elite or you're just starting the everyday runners, are those shoes helping? It depends which shoes we are talking about. Exactly. So I think this this question is maybe a little bit more tailored towards the, the, the Zoom family, right? I the, guess. The, the yeah. whole Alphafly, uh, Vaporfly thing going on. Um I think we quickly touched upon upon that uh, also earlier. What I would say is, do they make you faster? Yes, they do. That's that's yep. the point, right? They Everything help. is made so that they do make you faster. Now, as a non-elite runner, or as someone who's not running 10K in 30 minutes, um, do they make you as fast or is the magnitude of the effect the same for you running five, uh, five minute per kilometer pace or somebody who's running... 245 um that i don't know but i i also don't think so for the for the design reason that we explained before those shoes are made for people who know how to run very very well um that's not going to be the case for somebody who's who's, who's just like a normal runner or is like a sunday runner uh, they don't tend to position their bodies the same way when they run than an elite athlete so the magnitude of the effect might be a little bit less but yes it's still helping a yeah. lot and going back to to uh, what we said before um i think if you if you want to become a faster runner Uh, yes, those shoes are going to help you for sure, but there's also so many different things uh, that you can implement in, in your program yeah, that, that will help, help more just as than well. the shoe. Yeah. yeah, like, you know, food, um, training program, of running course. form, running efficiency, all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. People tend to uh, want to be doing the lazy thing. So buying a fast shoe is maybe going to make me. Uh, It's easier than uh, yeah, putting the then, work in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Than eating better, going and having enough sleep and everything else. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And But that would be a great solution then. <laughs> would yeah. be easy. A lot of fast yeah, runners yeah. out there. And that's a little bit like a, a pitfall that you should not fall into, right? It's uh, You cannot yes. just blame everything no. on the shoe. No. Um, you are the runner. You exactly. are the responsible yeah. one, of course. Exactly. Yeah. And technology is just help, here to help. So, of course. It's a, it's a support. It's a lab yeah. We have a long question uh, from uh, Olaf Kerkhoff that was also here on the podcast. The question is, what if there would be no shoe regulation set by the World Athletic Organization? How would the top Nike marathon shoe be like according to your prediction? So we are talking about Vaporfly and Alphafly then yeah. in that case. Um, 
honestly, I don't know, right? I just, I just, I have to, um, to make up something in my mind mm -hmm. based on all the design pieces that I've seen before. But if there would be no regulation, I would see a very, very thick shoe, very, very thick uh, sole packed with that amazing foam that they have. Maybe even a, 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 a like a better version of that foam. I'm not sure if they're working on anything mm -hmm. like this, but uh, but that could be something. I would also see a lot of airbags, um, okay. a little bit everywhere, so not just the yep. two that we have. Um, many, many carbon plates. Okay. You know, I think <laughs> if you can get like four or five in there, it would be, uh, yeah. would be ideal. <laughs> um, so, something like that, maybe like a, a spring or, uh, you know. A yeah, little I think they actually like tested that. that. I saw on the, somewhere in the videos with Nike, they date tested something with springs as well. Yeah. Um, I think Adidas back in the days, they had this uh, sprinting spike where they oh. also had a, a somewhat of a spring in it. Okay. Um, but that was also then not allowed by, yeah, by the World Athletics. Yeah. So uh, in, in a world where everything is possible, I would see a yeah, very thick uh, sole mm -hmm. uh, packed with amazing foam and then um, any levers possible that you can implement in terms of um, propulsion you yeah. forward would be implemented. So reaching so. as as much as possible this 100% give back yeah, yeah. energy. Until you get on an overboard and then uh, then it's a different sport. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And that was the last question from the audience. But we still have two questions for you, David. Question that we ask all our guests usually here in the studio. And the first question is, um, if you would be able to give one piece of advice uh, to, I guess, well, in that case, people running, start, maybe starting running or um, good runners, uh, what would it be? In that case, I would say, um, what shoe would you advise? Maybe that's the question we can have here. Hmm. Yeah. Um, again, it's, it really depends on who you or are. Or a general piece of advice and, up to you. And it really depends on what you're trying to achieve, right? I think if you just want to go out there and run for fun, um, I would look into the Fearless family or maybe the Pegasus. Um, if you try to raise for something, I would look into the Zoom family. And if you ever have the chance to to put a um, Vaporfly in X% or an Alphafly in your shoes, uh, do it. I think to me, when it comes to choosing the right footwear, it always goes down to feel, right? You need to feel comfortable in the shoe. You need to feel like the, the feeling that the shoe is giving you is the right one. Um, and for that, if you don't have the chance now to go into a store and actually try them, uh, um, then you can always order the shoes online. I think Nike has a quite a, a good trial period, so you can actually try yes. the shoes. Um, and after a month, uh, if it doesn't feel like it's the right one for you, you can always send it back. Um, but yeah, the, the, the key one would be just make sure you understand the different families and the different offerings and what they were made for. And um, um, be clear about your own purpose that you exactly. want to achieve. Yeah. And then based on that, you can probably have a, a good selection of product and then just try it and, and see what feels right for you. Yeah, that's yeah. a nice answer. And uh, our second question is, um, who should we invite to this show or what topic are you interested in uh, hearing us talk about? So it could be a person or a topic or a field. Or yeah, uh, no, it's, it's, it's a good one. And uh, you guys already covered quite 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 some um, some different departments within within running uh, I think also if I if I link it back to the current situation and the whole COVID and working from home and not really being able to live the same way that you did before um, I think running can be a way to just connect a little bit with yourself more mm -hmm. and and if you're not in a good day for whatever reason before because of the context mm -hmm. or because you you spend the the last week uh, at your desk in your living room working um i think i would love to see uh to see you guys talk about 
um, you know, I mean, sports psychology or or how to in how to use sport as a lever to feel better mm -hmm. as as a person uh, beyond the, the sporting activity itself. Um, I think it's it's quite important and also quite relevant in today's world. Yeah. 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 That's. Uh, Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah. There. There are also like. Um, Nike is also doing that. Well, again, what is Nike not doing? <laughs> Let's say it like that. Uh, in the Nike training app, um, I was recently using that before I had to stop running. There are also quite some head pay, uh, headspace runs yeah, exactly, uh, there yeah. as well. So, which I found, it's um, it's remarkable how quick they are in picking up trends and also or like moving the uh, the sport forwards. And um, yeah. It's 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 great to hear that this is how you feel. I think um, even more than picking up trends, what we're really trying to do at Nike is uh, we don't want to be the point of contact that you go to if you just need a new pair of shoe, right? The the idea with with membership is, uh, and the idea of of being a, a Nike member is really that we try to create an ecosystem for the athlete, and by athlete I mean everybody with with uh, with a body um, uh, to create an ecosystem where no doesn't matter what you need uh you can find it as part of of our platform or as part of the nike journey uh so if you need shoes yes sure we have that for you but if you need to feel good or if you need uh you know to do some yoga because you're a little bit tense or if you need to to uh have um uh, crossfit training or yeah. or training that is going to help your running for example we try yeah. to have that as well if you're just not feeling well and you need um you need to go for a run and have somebody from headspace talking to you we also try to offer that as well so it's great to see that it's the way it's received yeah, yeah. like it's it's definitely not, um, well, this is a general, um, now the marketing person inside me talks a little bit, like the general development that we had over the years. In the beginning, we just had the products and we literally put it on the market, people bought it. Yeah. Then they put a nice packaging around it. Then they put like a, a story around it. And now we are like at this content uh, marketing that is like very popular now that it's not only the product, but actually offering more value on top of the product that yeah. you associate with the company that you then know, okay, like there I get good advice on top of it, uh, of the product. And then you are also prone to, uh, be attracted to their products, um, or actually understand better what uh, the purpose of certain products are. We talked also with, um, Sabrina, uh, recently, uh, she is from uh, female performance. Um, and, uh, she really focuses on how the female, body is different to the male body yeah, yeah. and how research sport research is taking this part not so much into consideration and just before we recorded the uh, episode with her nike launched the um uh, cycle training mm -hmm. uh part in the uh, nike training app and i was like i saw this uh, on instagram and thought like oh nike Look at you being a forerunner again. And and that's something that I actually forgot to mention. Uh, and it's great that you that you mentioned it because at least I have the chance to say it when it comes to the evolution uh, of footwear. So I mentioned that it's going to be more in mass marketed uh, styles and also in track and field styles and in apparel. Um, but we're also working to make sure we understand the difference in physiology between men and women mm -hmm. and how to to bring product that are going to meet the needs of those two. Um, so for, for example, that's probably something that not many people are familiar with, but um, 
a man's Pegasus or a woman's Pegasus, uh, they're not made the same, right? The yep. amount of foam in, in the sole and, and, and the design in itself, you cannot see it if you look at the two shoes, but they're different because they're tailored to the needs of the, the woman physiology or the men's physiology. So this is also something that I think we're going to see moving forward, um, where we're really going to see an, an increase in, in the amount of resource that is put out there to make sure that we understand what the female top performance needs are both in terms of product but also in terms of journey and in terms of of uh you know of membership and, and all of that and try to to meet those needs as best as we can yeah, yeah we were mentioning that in our pre-talk before the you were telling that you are working in the product department and in the female product department so i was uh back then in that conversation saying like oh what is the difference with both female product department besides uh, selecting some more female colors and that was the point that you explained to me that there is really this difference in the amount of foam and uh, where things that I would not think about. Yeah, it's not just a smaller shoe. Yeah. It's yeah. not just a smaller shoe in a different color. It's no. uh, much more than that. And I would even argue that the color is becoming less and less important. You can see now that, you know, uh, pink colorways, for example, is, yeah. is working um, really well with men. glad that you brought yeah. that up because um, I don't know when it was Berlin Marathon a couple of years ago. Um, as all running crews, we follow each other and, uh, the calf runners were running with the new, uh, I think it was a vapor fly back then in pink. I think it was, yeah, it this was one actually, next, yeah, this yeah, one exactly in pink. And this, if I had to get a shoe now, I would get this one yeah. just for this, uh, pink, uh, fluo pink that I love yeah, so much. Yeah, yeah, no, amazing exactly. color. And the, the craft runner crew is a really, really nice crew. Like they're we, amazing. We work a lot uh, with them together yeah. and they're great guys. Uh, but yeah, exactly to that point, I think color is becoming less and less of an important decision factor when it comes to gender decision. Um, and you know, this is just me talking now. It's, it's not on behalf of Nike, but I actually no, I don't believe in colorways for gender. I just think that they they should almost be the same for for all of them. Like I don't believe that blue is the is the color yeah. for men and that pink is the color for women. And you see that actually switching around quite well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I you know I'd love to see more focus on what are the actual needs when it comes to you know the design and the foam and the the, the lacing and and all of that uh, versus well you know it's woman so let's go uh, pink and two course like mm -hmm. no yeah we're, I think we're past that yeah nice thank you very much David <laughs> <I'm> dying here. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming over. I think we learned a lot there, like, um, especially when you're not a nerd like me, um, there was a very eye-opening conversation where things were discussed um, and brought on the table where I was like, this is amazing that this is taken into consideration and that, that there are like these changes made or innovations are. So uh, again, thanks very much for your time. If people are more uh, curious to find out about everything that we talked about and um, like Nike, well, <laughs> that we have to say, it, I think we don't, but like still like uh, go to all the social media channels, go on the internet, looked at Nike, Nike running to really uh, focus on the running series and uh, Nike woman about everything that I just uh, said uh, recently, where, for example, also the cycle training was um, launched. Yeah. All the amazing apps also, the run club, the training club, the Nike, the sneakers app all these apps yeah. as well, the it's website. All Just, it's, all it's all there. Go in the app store and put it. Nike and then 
you'll find all of it. Yes. Thanks for uh, all the knowledge. Thank you for your time. And uh, looking forward to uh, to chat with you again in the future and uh, see what's next. Yeah, and, uh, see these uh, NDA planes that you can't talk yeah. about yet. <laughs> uh, so th thanks for having me. It was uh, it's always good to to oh. share those things. It was uh, it's always great to uh, I think to make people understand better uh, what the shoes are about and and what they can get out of it. So uh, no, pleasure. Appreciate awesome. appreciate you, man. Thank you all for listening and watching again. You guys can uh, follow our adventure on Instagram and Facebook. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or on YouTube for the video version of this podcast. And we hope to catch you guys in the next one. See you. Bye. Bye.